The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org. Worship pour out because his victory over the grave changes everything.
Every sin on Him was slain. 
Good morning, church. Uh, what I have for you this morning is super simple, and I hope it hits you as hard as uh, the Holy Spirit hit me with it. Um, so, do you guys remember when we were kids, um, we would pretend playing whatever. We would pretend to be firemen, and we'd get like maybe the water hose, and maybe your parents would be mad because you lived in the desert, and you were using water, um, and you were in a drought or something. Uh, or you'd pretend to be a princess. I didn't pretend to be a princess, but if you're a female. Um, and so I have this beautiful picture of my niece um, being Cinderella, and it's awesome. I have a picture of my son being uh, a mountain lion on campus. Um, I have him and my niece uh, being an alien trainer. Uh, she's the alien, um, <laughs> obviously. Um, and then uh, I have this wonderful picture of Emmy. Uh, she's being Elsa. And just to go through the lyrics of the part that she's singing, um, this is great. It's let it go, let it go. I'm the one with the wind and sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry. Here I stand and here I stay. Let the storm rage on. Um, and So let the storm rage on. She would sing, let the snowman die, all right? Um, it was the best, all right? So she's at the part right here, let the snowman die, all right? Um, it was the best. So here she's pretending to be Elsa, um, the best, okay? Um, but uh, this next picture is my favorite. Um, this is Emmy and Cruz pretending to be worship leaders. They will ask Alexa to play some worship song, um, and Cruz will get out his bass, because I get to play the bass every once in a while, and Emmy will grab a maraca, that's, what a mar- that's one of the maracas in one of their play sets, um, and they will stand, on, we have this half wall in our living room, and they'll stand on the half wall as their stage, and they will belt out, I think they were singing Roar right here by... Um, Elevation, and so Cruz is. Uh, this is a live picture, and he'll like do this crazy, like cross face thing. But they pretend, and I think the more they pretend these great things, the more that they will become these great things. So I pray that one day they will hopefully be standing up here leading worship. Um, and so I want to, I want to get kind of to the point, um, and I'm going to read from Ephesians. Um, the end of chapter 4, uh, verse, 40, uh, v- verse 32, and then into chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and live in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. So, um... Sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. I would say it's probably the hardest thing that we have to do in this life. It's, marriage is hard. Being a parent is really hard. But even harder than that is following Christ. And so sometimes I think if we pretend just a little bit each day, pretend to love more even when it's hard, pretend to be compassionate, pretend to forgive even when it's hard, when we're facing the person that we have to forgive, we might just 
grow a little bit more in forgiveness, in compassion, in love, and we might just grow a little bit more like Christ, just like my kids might grow to be worship leaders one day. And so I want to challenge you to pretend to be a little bit more like Christ, even when it's hard. And then I, I bet, wait, wager, um, that we will be more like Christ uh, the more we pretend to be like him. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to just be here and worship with you today. Lord, I just pray that we just take uh, what you've done on the cross, Lord, and we just want to be more like you, Lord. Even when it's hard, Lord, we will pretend, Lord, that uh, that we would take your sacrifice and that we would make uh, heaven on earth, Lord, that we would do your will on earth, even when it's hard, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the life of Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison had a huge impact. A lot of people think he did time in Folsom. He actually did not. He did a few overnight stays in, in drunk tanks and things like that. But he never actually was a prisoner at Folsom. In November of 1966, a preacher by the name of Reverend Floyd Gressett was preaching at a Presbyterian church in Ventura, California, where Johnny Cash would sometimes attend. The reverend asked him, would you come and do a, just a solo concert for some of the inmates. He had a prison ministry there, and, and Johnny reluctantly agreed. At that time, he was a struggling country artist. He didn't know what he stood for. He didn't know what his thing was. And so he went into Folsom Prison in, in November of 1966 as a struggling country artist. He came out a superstar. He really connected with the prisoners. He found his character there. And when he returned two years later in 1968 to record an album that we know as Live at Folsom Prison, which is an iconic album of Johnny Cash's life, he was exploding. And they were, brought the whole band, and they brought recording it stuff, and they were going to do it there in the lunchroom and, and have these prisoners there. And the warden was meeting him. He was shaking his hand and said, man, this is such an honor, Johnny Cash. just really appreciate it so much. And, and he said, but could you do me a favor? Could you not sing songs that remind him, he's, that remind the people that they're in prison? And he responded, the man in black responded, you think they forgot? And I've been hanging on to that story because I think it matters a lot. Have we forgotten where we are? Most of you, like me, grew up in a little country church, and we sing this song pretty much, maybe not every week, but every couple of three weeks. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Some of y'all grew up in the same kind of churches. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And we, we knew that song, and we sang that song, but I wonder, do we believe that song? <clears throat> you see... Peter, when he was telling people in his letter about his relationship with Jesus, he wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, since you are immigrants and aliens in the world. Wow, those are powerful terms. Immigrants and aliens. I urge you that you avoid worldly desires that wage war against your lives. Live honorably among the unbelievers. I'd like to submit to you today, I believe we need... An unconscious homesickness. 
I'd like to share with you the lyrics of that song that we just sang, the hymn of heaven. Listen to some of this. How I long to breathe the air of heaven, where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets. To look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity. Let it be today that we shout the hymn of heaven. We're in this series called Road Trip, Taking God With You. It's our summer series, the same intro with a lot of different songs to it. Uh, just give us an idea. And we're going to be on a weird road today. I'm just warning you. I want you to have your Bibles out in Jeremiah chapter 29. Now, you're going to recognize one of the verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. That's the graduation verse. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. We put it on every graduation announcement known to mankind. But I want you to get it in context. And then I want you to hear the backstory, because I'll be honest with you, that was not where I was going with this. I was looking at a verse after this, but I started looking at it and then looking at the chapters before it. And I want to encourage you, not right now, but to read 26, 27, 28, and 29 all together as a story, because it's really incredible, and we're going to look at it today. But I want us to embrace being exiles, realize where we live and why. And that we should be homesick for heaven. How many of you brought your Bibles? Lift them up. If you're online, I want to have your Bible. We want you, to, whether it's an app or a physical Bible, join me in Jeremiah 29. I'm going to start in verse 4. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then Find spouses for them so they may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Pray the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I'll come for you and I'll do for you all the good things I've promised and I'll bring you home again. When I know the, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray... I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I'll gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Thanks for joining us here and online. Uh, let's go ahead and bring the lights up so we can see. And we're going to continue to talk about this idea in context what is going on. We study the Bible here at Central Christian in a way called exegetically. Everybody say exegetic. See, there's two ways to study the Bible. There's isogetic and exogetic. Isogetic is where somebody takes, it means I take my meaning and I bring it to the Word. Um, what a lot of people do is I get an opinion and I get a concordance and I start finding verses to back up my opinion. And we call that proof texting. A lot of people do it. It's not the way we do it here. We do it called exogetical. We take the meaning out of the text, and the context is the king here. And we need to be reminded frequently 
that the Bible is written for us. It is our tool and it is our communication, but it was not written to us. You hear me? It was not written to America. It was written to the people of Israel. And the context starts in chapter 28, where you have Jeremiah and you're introduced to Hananiah. Now, Jeremiah is a prophet, a major prophet. We've heard his stuff. We've studied his stuff before. And this guy, Jeremiah, is telling God's people about the coming doom of living in Babylon. Hey, you're going to be slaves. Babylon is coming. You haven't followed God, and it's going to be bad. In fact, if you go back to chapter 27, he makes a yoke. Everybody remember what a yoke is? You know, like oxen where you... He makes a physical yoke, a wooden yoke, and he brings it and he wears it in front of King Zedekiah and says, you need to accept this yoke. You're going to be under the control of Babylon. It's going to be rough. Now hear this. This is important. God's man is telling God's people, you're going to lose. You're going to be slaves. Let me ask you this. How popular do you think Jeremiah was? Probably not everybody's favorite to have over for dinner, all right? He's going to be a little discouraging and a little depressing. Well, enter Hananiah in chapter 28. Now, Hananiah is another prophet. He is a prophet from Gibeon, and he calls out Jeremiah in the temple. He prophesies that God is going to break the yoke of Babylon within two years. And within two years, we're going to be back in control, and all of this is going to be a distant memory. Jeremiah in verse 6 says, man, I hope that comes true. But basically, I'm paraphrasing, of course, he says, the proof is in the pudding. A prophet, you only know if he's any good if his prophecies come true. Well, Hananiah doubles down. He takes the yoke from Jeremiah, and he smashes it and says, you're the problem, Jeremiah. You're all depressed and discouraged, and, and that's not helping these people. He, he tells them again, two years, and this is going to be over. And Jeremiah looks at him and he says, you're not from God, and you're not going to live the rest of this year. Then look at chapter 28, and the very last verse of chapter 28, verse 17 says, two months later, the prophet Hananiah died. One, one guy was speaking truth. One guy was speaking what was trending. You hearing me? One guy was speaking truth. It was painful truth, but it was truth. Another guy was speaking stuff to make you feel good. Let me question. Let me ask you a question. How do you deal with people that tell you what you want to hear? Because let's be honest. When we're hurting, don't we want people to tell us what we want to hear? I mean, they said bad things about me. And we go to our friend, and oh, yeah, they're bad, bad people. And, you know, we, we want somebody to build up our ego, don't we? I mean, you can prove it in any dress shop in America. Women, you go in there, you put on, you go in the dressing room, you come out in a dress, every single salesperson goes, oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, don't they? Uh, they all, why? Because they want to make a sale. There is a purpose behind it. Why does our culture tell us, there's no real right and wrong. It's just you do whatever you want to do. Why does our culture tell us it's not a big deal? Because they don't want to, they want to be desensitized to sin. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody's really sinning. You do you and I'll do me. 
Some of you are already in your head thinking of a verse that Paul used. At the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, Paul was talking to young Timothy, and he says in chapter 4, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. How many of us remember that verse? It goes on, he says, that they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Now, sadly, we've used this verse a lot in the past to talk about culture. See, they're just telling you what you want to hear. They're just culture is out there. It's bad. But what if, what if it's within the church? What if it's within the church that is not telling you the truth? They're just telling you what your itching ears want to hear. Because Hananiah, look, he's supposed to be a prophet of God. He's supposed to be saying God's words. And Jeremiah had already said, this is not going to go well for you. And he comes in and says something different. Anybody remember when Balaam, uh, Franklin talked about Balaam a few weeks ago. Balaam was a prophet of God, but he saw dollar bills, right? He saw getting paid, and so it changed his message. Why would Hananiah prophesy that we will be back in power? Why would he say that when it wasn't true? I'll tell you why. Because it makes people feel good, and it's popular. True? But what if God's purpose in where you are is not popular. It's not good news. In chapter 27 and verse 6, he said, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon is my chosen servant. Now that's hard for us church-going people to say, man, God used the bad guy to be, do his purpose? Yes. What God is saying, he's saying, hey, for a period of time, you're going to walk a rough road. It's going to be a tough road, but Tough roads often lead to spectacular views. They often lead to really great things. Let me ask you this. Can tough times help you? The answer you're looking for, do this with your head. Show me you're still awake. Okay. The answer is yes. Can, uh, can tough roads strengthen you? Absolutely. Does anybody like walking on hard roads? No. We don't like those. We don't want them. But sometimes the Lord can use job loss to show His plan. Sometimes God can use a company transfer. He can use natural disasters. He can use tough seasons in your economy or in our world economy or in our country to accomplish His plan. And that's hard. That's hard for us to believe because we want it all to be rainbows and unicorns. We want it all happy, but it's, sometimes it's not. Now hear me and hear me good. Some of you are sitting right here and you're in a difficult season. And you're hurting. And, and you heard me say that. And I don't want you to misquote me. I don't believe that God orchestrated the pain you're in. It's just I don't believe that. Sometimes we're in pain because we made stupid choices. True? You can amen that one, all right? But sometimes it wasn't your stupid choice. It was somebody else's. It was somebody else's bad choice that hurt you, and you're in a bad situation, in a bad place, and you're going, but Don, why am I here? I don't believe God orchestrated that, but I do believe God will never allow a pain to go to waste. 
I believe he will use pain to grow us. Now, all of that was the backstory for Jeremiah 29. I've been 10 minutes. I haven't got to the verse yet, all right? But I needed you to know why that's all important. In chapter 29, what he's saying is God is in control. The, the country of Israel has not lost control. God is still in control, but he put a bad guy in a place of leadership. Did you hear that? He put a guy that we didn't want, a situation we didn't want. They didn't vote for Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't cheer for Nebuchadnezzar. But they got him whether they liked it or not. Scripture clearly says that God put Nebuchadnezzar there. That's hard. How could he do that? He shows up again in the book of Daniel. Anybody remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Nebuchadnezzar is a very big character there. But because of this bondage, because of what is going to happen to God's people here, the, the leadership of, our, of the country of Israel is going to stay alive because of the tough times they're going through. So God is in control. He's putting them in bondage. And the very first thing he says through Jeremiah to his people, go build homes and plant gardens. What? What? You know, don't you mean, God, let's get a rebellion together. Let's, let's band everybody together and let's fight against Babylon. No, go build homes and plant gardens. Do you remember what the first words God said to Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden? Do you remember what the first words he said to them as a couple were? You are free to in, eat anything you want. You're free to go anywhere you want. Everything in here is for you. Except that one tree over there. And we know how that worked out. That didn't work out really great. But his purpose was your home. You're free. Home is where we like to be. True? Amen? Hallelujah? Home is where my chair is. All right? Home is where I can kick my shoes off or you can get your pajamas on at 4.30 in the afternoon. And you don't have to wear makeup. And we like home, right? Home free. God tells Jeremiah, uh, God tells the people through Jeremiah, make yourself at home. I want you to make yourself at home. Build homes, plant gardens, and eat the food. You know what is the thread that's not being said there? Time. He says, marry and have kids and grow those kids up and marry them off and watch them have kids so you can play with your grandkids. You know what's going on there? Time. The math will tell you that's an, it's a distinct amount of time. And then he says, pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to, where I have sent you into exile. He's telling the people to make themselves at home, even if they're in bondage. Make yourself at home. Make it comfortable, but that's not your forever home. See, here's a real problem. What if you don't believe the bondage is real? Hey, sweet, we're getting moved to a new town. Everything's going to be great. We've got new restaurants. That's what the Israelites are saying. Ah, oh, everything's good. Everything's glorious. No, it's not glorious. They're going to be slaves. And the hardest chains to break are the ones that aren't acknowledged. You've heard us say that or something close to it in, in times past. The hardest things to break, the hardest chains to break are the ones that we won't admit. I've had a lot of people sit on my couch. We've sat in here. We've sat in different places. And, and I've heard a phrase frequently where somebody will say, well, I, 
I don't have a problem. And you know what? Nearly every single time I hear that phrase, that's a red flag that there's probably a problem there. John tells us in 1 John 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We're lying to We're not lying to everybody else. We're lying to ourselves, and truth isn't in us. Friends, you cannot get where you want to get until you admit where you are, until we deal with where we are at. It doesn't take courage to go into bondage. That's natural. It takes courage to say, I want to be free. And some of you are dealing with those bonds right now. You're bound in greed. You're tied up in lust. You're, you're battling anger. You've struggled with your bitterness. You deal with your depression. Some of us have moved into bondage, and we won't admit it. But Jeremiah is telling his people, you can be free. I want you to be free, but not in the way you think and not in the time frame that you think. If you've ever played the license plate game when you're traveling in the summer, you've probably seen a lot of different license plates. This is New Hampshire. Anybody ever get New Hampshire? New Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island, those are hard ones to get around here unless you get to like Grand Canyon or or somewhere big, you might get some of them. But uh, this one is very popular. It has that statement on the top, live free or die. It's a very big rallying cry from the Revolutionary War. General John Stark said it. Um, he, uh, they, they thought he was this great poet, you know, live free or die. It was one of those statements like, you know, give me liberty or give me death. And everybody thought, man, that guy's brilliant. We're going to use that statement. Turns out he took it from the French revolution. So it kind of, but it's still a great statement. Okay. And the people up there are really particular about that statement, live free or die. It's their state motto. It is everything they believe in. You're not going to tell me how to live. I live free or I'm, I'm dying. Here's the irony of that picture on the screen. The results of that statement, live free or die, are printed on license plates that are made in the state prison in New Hampshire. Do you catch that? (laughs) The guy that's stamping that on there is not free. God is saying live where you are and pour into the community. He even says the city will prosper, you will prosper. I want you to pray for it. Do we get how huge this is? God is asking that Babylon get blessed. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to pour blessing into wherever you are. If it's a good situation or it's a bad situation. God put these people there. God did this. But he's saying the ones that thrive there are going to be the ones that carry on my name. Like we said, you get the the lineage of Jesus from this. You get all of the history from this. Those people that stayed true to God. God's message of hope is going to come from people that are in a rough situation. A difficult road can lead to a beautiful destination. You see, what he's saying is God is at work here. It's going to take a while. I I want you to be free. I want you to thrive. You'll be in bondage for 70 years, but you know what? You're not going to be alone. I will be with you, so plant the gardens. I will be with you, so have the kids. I will be with you. But I plan for prosperity. I plan for strength. But, guys, that's not your home. 
That's just where you're at. Make yourself at home, but that's not your forever home. I've set you free. See, a lot of us, though, it's not an idea of do we need freedom? It's the question of do I believe freedom is real? Because some of you have tried to break free. You've battled for a long time trying to get free. You tried to, to stop losing your temper. You tried to stop worrying so much. You, you tried to stop being such a people pleaser. And it didn't work. So you traded try harder and fail for quit trying and fake it. Just fake your freedom. Just go on about your lives. Well, that freedom is for other people. I'm just going to have to be, I'm just angry. That's who I am. I just battle lust. That's who I am. I just, I, I, I'm all the time bitter. It's just who I am. And we're tempted to forget that God is the one setting them free. Look that back in Jeremiah 29. Quickly in verse 8. 28, or 20, 29 verse 8 and 9. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they're telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them. That is directly aimed at Hananiah. That is directly aimed at people that are listening to lies of freedom. Now hear me. This kind of gets a little confusing. It is so easy to look on the news and see decay and demise, true? It's so easy to see all of the bad in the world and all of the problems. And and then we could stand up here and we could say, well, as soon as you're rich, you won't have to worry about it. Hear me? As soon as... As soon as you're not in the situation you're in, if you're single, as soon as you're married and you've got a real life and a spouse that really cares about you, then things are going to be better. As soon as I get that job, as soon as I get to that place, you hear what I'm saying? It's always way off over there. As soon as I get the country and the state and the way I want it and everybody listens to me when my party wins, then I'll feel free. Do you hear it? Feel free. The lie is that you'll feel free, but you won't really be free. That verse that Carolyn read earlier, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you know what he didn't say? He didn't say, I will be the resurrection and the life. He talks present tense. I am the resurrection and the life. I bring hope. I want you to have glory. I want you to have my glory. I want you to have my hope in what you're dealing with, in the situation, in your classroom, in your family, in your job, in your squadron. In your, I want you to have His glory. I want you to, he's got to say, and I want my glory to shine through you. So question, where would you like to experience more freedom? I don't need you to answer out loud, but where can you, where do you need more freedom? Did you hear the songs? Open the gates and let the glory come down. He, he changes everything. When Jesus came out of that grave, you changed everything. He is present tense resurrection. He is present tense life. He is our living hope. He is not somebody that died a long time ago. We hang out here for 90 minutes on Sunday and everything's... No, it's a change. It's a change in my heart. But you need to hear this. 
You will not find freedom accidentally. You will not trip and stumble into freedom. You got to go looking for it. He says it right there. God promises you will find me if you seek me. If you seek me with all your heart. Now, I want you to catch that phrase, when you seek me with all your heart. That phrase is different than ask Jesus into your heart. Hear me? Maybe you were raised with ask Jesus into your heart or the sinner's prayer. You're probably not going to find that phrase. You're probably not going to find the sinner's prayer in there. I'm not, a bad, I'm not mad at him. I'm not saying that's the only thing. I'm just saying that's different than seeking him with all your heart. Some people say, oh, well, I said a prayer. I'm, I'm good. Everything's all right. No, he's saying chase after him. What Dennis was saying today is it's hard. Keep seeking him. Keep looking for him. Seeking is intentional. It is committing my life to the same principles, the ones Jesus stood for and the ones Jesus died for. That's how powerful this is. God designed us to be free, but not to freely fit in here. He designed us to be hungry for home, aching for heaven, where we declare and we sing His praises. I am an alien. I live here, but I'm not at home here. So that leads us to some tough questions. Tough questions is always a difficult time where we look in the mirror and say, if I'm going to be a real true Christ follower, I've got to have the guts to ask some real tough questions. So here are a few. They're not aimed at anybody. They're just tough. They've aimed at me all week long. Number one, have you forgotten that you're in exile? Because it's real easy to get comfortable here and go, man, I'm going to get my 401K full. I'm going to get my IRA full. I'm going to get all my other initials. And I'm going to live a good life here. I'm going to retire. And everything's going to be cozy. And everything's going to be about me. You see what I'm saying? We don't live here. It's just passing through. Here's another one. Do you want to hear truth? Or do you want to hear what eases your mood? <laughs> Friends, you need a friend that has the guts to speak truth to you, even if it hurts. Now, if you are that friend, we need to speak truth in love, okay? We don't need to be going around bashing people, but we don't need to yell at them. We don't need to scream at them. We, we need to speak truth in love. We need to speak truth. Have you settled for less than freedom? What are the chains that are binding you right now that you, you haven't admitted are holding you? And one last one. Have you committed to seeking Him with all your heart? Not just once in a while. Not just praying a prayer. Not just a little bit about I mean really truly committing. Because that's hard. Friends, we need to embrace the fact that we are exiles. We are aliens. We only reside here. He said, make yourself at home. Grow a garden. Share that garden with everybody at church. Do, do the cool stuff, all right? Raise your kids. We want to see your kids. We love having your kids here. We want, we want them in AMP. We want them in our college group. We want our, our young people to thrive here. And the difficult road you might be traveling, it might be pointing you somewhere powerful. But friends... 
We need to quit making everything about this place. And may we be homesick for heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that today is the day we declare your greatness in our hearts, with our mouths, with our actions. Father, change us. And that means speaking truth to us. Father, some in this room are still battling and they're still bound. Help them see freedom. To break free from the addiction, from the depression, from the anger, from the bitterness. Father, may we declare the hymn of heaven with our hearts, with our with our hands held high, with our hearts completely open, may we speak of how great you are. May we glorify you in this place, but out of this place, in our businesses, in our schools, in our, our families, may you get glory. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.